0: Let's turn to Leviticus chapter 16 for our Old Testament reading this morning. Leviticus 16, we'll read the whole chapter here. Let's give our full attention now to God's holy word. Now, the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron, when they offered profane fire before the Lord and died. And the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, your brother, not to come at just any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat, which is on the ark, lest he die. For I will appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. Thus Aaron shall come into the holy place with the blood of a young bull as a sin offering and of a ram as a burnt offering. He shall put the holy linen tunic and the linen trousers on his body. He shall be girded with a linen sash and with a linen turban. He shall be attired. These are holy garments. Therefore, he shall wash his body and water and put them on. And he shall take two from the congregation of the children of Israel, two kids of the goats as a sin offering, and one ram as a burnt offering. Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering, which is for himself, and make atonement for himself and for his house. He shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Then Aaron shall cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat on which the Lord's lot fell and offer it as a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement upon it and to let it go as the scapegoat into the wilderness. And Aaron shall bring the bull of the sin offering, which is for himself and make atonement for himself and for his house and shall kill the bull as the sin offering, which is for himself. Then he shall take a censer full of burning coals of fire from the altar before the Lord, with his hands full of sweet incense, beaten, fine, and bring it inside the veil. And he shall put the incense on the fire before the Lord, that the cloud of incense may cover the mercy seat that is on the testimony, lest he die. He shall take some of the blood of the bull and sprinkle it with his finger on the mercy seat on the east side, and before the mercy seat, he shall sprinkle some of the blood with his finger seven times. Then he shall kill the goat of the sin offering, which is for the people. Bring its blood inside the veil. Do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bull and sprinkle it on the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. So shall he make atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel and because of their transgressions for all their sins. And so he shall do for the tabernacle of meeting, which remains among them in the midst of their uncleanness. There shall be no man in the tabernacle of meeting when he comes in to make atonement in the holy place until he comes out that he may make atonement for himself, for his household and for all the assembly of Israel. And he shall go out to the altar that is before the Lord and make atonement for it and shall take some of the blood of the bull and some of the blood of the goat and put it on the horns of the altar all around. Then he shall sprinkle some of the blood on it with his finger seven times, cleanse it, and consecrate it from the uncleanness of the children of Israel. And when he has made an end of atoning for the holy place, the tabernacle of meeting, and the altar, he shall bring the live goat. Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat, confess over it all the iniquities of the children of Israel, and all their transgressions concerning all their sins, putting them on the head of the goat and shall send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a suitable man. The goat shall bear on itself all their iniquities to an uninhabited land, and he shall release the goat in the wilderness then Aaron shall come into the tabernacle of meeting, shall take off the linen garments which he put on when he went into the holy place, and shall leave them there, and he shall wash his body with water in a holy place, put on his garments, come out and offer his burnt offering, and the burnt offering of the people, and make atonement for himself and for the people. The fat of the sin offering he shall burn on the altar, and he who released the goat as the scapegoat shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water, and afterward he may come into the camp. The bull for the sin offering and the goat for the sin offering, whose blood was brought in to make atonement in the holy place, shall be carried outside the camp, and they shall burn in the fire their skins, their flesh, and their offal. Then he who burns them shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water, and afterward he may come into the camp. This shall be a statute forever for you. In the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you shall afflict your souls And do no work at all, whether a native of your own country or a stranger who dwells among you. For on that day, the priest shall make atonement for you, to cleanse you, that you may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. It is a Sabbath of solemn rest for you, and you shall afflict your souls. It is a statute forever. And the priest who is anointed and consecrated to minister as priest in his father's place shall make atonement and put on the linen clothes, the holy garments, Then he shall make atonement for the holy sanctuary, and he shall make atonement for the tabernacle of meeting and for the altar, and he shall make atonement for the priests and for all the people of the assembly. This shall be an everlasting statute for you, to make atonement for the children of Israel for all their sins once a year. And he did as the Lord commanded Moses. And our New Testament reading, our sermon text here is Hebrews chapter 9 verses 11 through 14. Hebrews 9, verses 11 through 14. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, But with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God Amen thus ends the reading of God's holy word let's pray now and ask him to bless it to us O oh, gracious God thank you that you are Emmanuel God with us the God who dwells among us and who reveals yourself to us in the person of Christ through the spirit and your word we pray now O oh Lord that you would reveal Christ to us and help us Give us grace to see him with the eyes of faith, to see the preciousness of Christ, our priest, in whom we stand clean. We pray this in his precious name. Amen. Have you ever torn open the wrapping paper on a Christmas present? Eager anticipation, right? You're unwrapping this this beautifully wrapped gift. You open it up and suddenly you realize you have no idea what this is for. You don't know what this present's for, or what, 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 why you need it or why that person gave it to you. Sometimes this happens with, with our children. Uh, we give them a present, and they are thrilled that they got a present. Uh, just the act of opening the present's exciting for them. But they open it up, and then they, they have no idea what to do with it. And so you have to show them. Here's, here's what's so good about this present. You don't understand it, but let me, let me show you how to use it. Let me show you how fun it will be. Let me show you how, 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 how wonderful this, this gift is. Sometimes I think as we come to our Lord Jesus Christ, the great gift that God has given us, um, we're, we're told it's the most wonderful gift. Christ is the most wonderful gift. Uh, but, but sometimes we, we, we're not sure why. W- w- what is this gift for? What do we do with this gift? W- what is it for? W- why is it that this gift is so precious, that it is so good? We looked at this last week a little bit. The Bible teaches that Jesus is sent by God to earth as the God-man to fulfill three roles. He's our prophet, he's our priest, and and he's our king. And we looked in particular at how he's our our prophet last week, and, 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 and we asked the question, well, what's so great about a prophet? Why do I need a prophet? What's that gift for? Well, it's because you need someone to reveal God to you. Someone to take away the blinders that sin has put in front of your eyes and show you the glory of God. Show you the love of God, the grace and truth of God for you. But Jesus is also the perfect priest. And this is what we are considering this morning. And again, we might say, well, what do I need a priest for? What's a, what is a priest? What's so wonderful about this gift that Christ is a great high priest for me? If you heard of Savos, who is a professor at Princeton Seminary Uh, In the early 20th century, puts it very well. What's a priest? His answer is this: A priest is one who brings men near to God, who leads them into the presence of God. A priest is someone who brings you into the presence of God. He's your representative before God, stands before God, and when he stands before God, in him you're standing before God. Uh, It's not that uh, he's an out of touch and distant representative. Um, before God, but because of our our union with our priest, we we are there before him, Voss, Voss writes further. He says the contact with God is passed on to the people as an electric current through a wire. So when your priest stands before God, you are standing before God. You're in the presence of God in him. That's what a priest is. So to ask the question, what do we need a priest for? We can ask the question this way. Do you need the presence of God? Do you need the blessing of God, peace with God? Do you need to stand in his presence and and delight in him and have him as your blessedness and your reward? Well, of course, that's exactly what we need. That is our most fundamental and deepest need. God made us in his image so that we could worship him in, in, in fellowship with him. Our chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. There's nothing we need more than a priest to bring us into the presence of God and give us peace and joy in the presence of God. It is only with a priest that we can have that. This is pictured for us powerfully in the Old Testament in the way that uh, Moses finishes the book of Exodus and starts the book of Leviticus. At, at the end of, of Exodus, the, the tabernacle's been built. This, this tent of meeting, this mobile temple, this dwelling place of God with his people, has been set up. It's beautiful, full of gold and, uh, and purple cloth, scarlet cloth, richly decorated, uh, richly furnished. Um, and uh, the, the people of Israel there have, have, have built the tabernacle. And God comes down in his glory and he fills the tabernacle with this blinding cloud of glory. His holy presence is there in the midst of his people. But at the end of the book of Exodus, the tabernacle's there. The people are there outside it. It's been filled with the glory of God and no one can go in. Not even Moses can go in. And that's how Exodus ends. And then Leviticus begins and God says, you need, you need a priest to come in. You need a priest who's going to make a sacrifice for you, cleanse you of your sins, and and bring you in. This is why God gives the priesthood. That's why we get all this blood in Leviticus and all the priests and these sacrifices in Leviticus. God is saying, you need a priest to bring you into my presence. A go-between to bring you in. God sets up the priest's to do this, and then down to the generations, uh, the priests or uh, the priests of Israel will, will do this on behalf of Israel. They'll be the mediators who bring the people into the presence of God. But then Jesus comes, and in Jesus we see that 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 uh, that all these priests who came before were just were just uh, a dress rehearsal. They were just they were just pictures of, of what he would be, dim reflections of what he would be. God sends Jesus to be the great high priest, the last best priest who offers the perfect sacrifice and brings us into God's presence forever. And this is the point of the text we read there, Hebrews 9, verses 11 through 14. Jesus is the best priest. He is the only priest that can bring us into the presence of God. And he is the priest that you and I desperately need. Three reasons that the text gives us for why we need Jesus to be our priest. Number one is this, because Jesus brings us into the good things. Jesus brings us into the good things as our high priest. Verse 11 says, but Christ came as high priest of the good things to come. Some other translations have it as as, as this. Christ came as the high priest of the good things that have come. I think that's a, the better translation. There, Christ is the one who brings us into the good things that have come. What are these good things? What, what, what's what's being being set out for us here? You can think of it like like um, like Christmas, um, all month long. You're waiting for Christmas, right, kids? You, you understand what I'm talking about? You're excited for Christmas. Uh, uh, you're uh, you're looking at the presents slowly accumulating under the tree. Uh, and you're excited to, to to unwrap them, or or perhaps perhaps you, you, uh, you're you're planning out the menu for Christmas, and you're, you're planning out what we're going to eat on Christmas Day, and you're getting everything ready. You're baking things, you're prepping ingredients, it's getting getting it all ready. But then finally, Christmas comes. It's finally time to open the presents. It's finally time to enjoy the feast that's been laid out for you. The good things come on Christmas. Right, so the author of the Hebrews is is looking at the Old Testament, and he's saying, "All those things, yes, they were wonderful, but they weren't the good things that were coming." Right, it's, it's that, that the Old Testament is wrapping up the gift in the, in the beautiful paper. It's planning the menu. It's it's getting everything ready, and then Jesus comes, and the good things come. It's time to unwrap it. It's time to enjoy the reality that's come. To enjoy the the feast that's come. Uh, the, 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 the audience here, of the letter to the Hebrews, are these Christians who are looking longingly back at the old ways under Moses. Um, they, they had the gift that was in Christ, but they wanted to go back to the wrapping paper. They wanted to go back to the menu. They had the feast and they wanted to go back to the menu. Hebrews is telling them, you have the good things. You have what the Old Covenant was all about. You've got the New Covenant now. The the fulfillment of all the the Old Testament types and shadows and promises. Jesus, your High Priest, has brought you into the good things of the New Covenant. These good things that Jesus has brought us into is is nothing less than the heavenly kingdom of God already beginning. It's, It's that that peace of God which we, which we expect at the end when Christ comes and, and, uh, and uh, 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 brings his, his new creation and all its fullness, that's already beginning. It's already unfolding inside of us spiritually as Christ brings his kingdom. Brothers and sisters, no one else can bring you into the good things of the kingdom of heaven, of the new covenant. There are all kinds of other false priests who try to bring us into the good things, into the into the better things. There are Instagram priests who try to bring us into uh, a beautiful and meaningful life. Uh, there are pop culture priests who tell you to find salvation through expressing yourself. There are marketing priests who promise you that Give us a little bit of your money and, and you can purchase fulfillment and joy like you've never experienced before. All right, we, have all, we have all these priests, political priests, promise you, if you vote for me, I'll bring in the, 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 a perfect reign of peace and joy. All these priests that tell us they can bring you into the good things, but only Jesus, our high priest, can do that. Bring us into the good things of the real joy and peace and blessing of the kingdom of God. So Jesus brings us into the good things of the new covenant. The second reason Jesus is the only high priest that we should put our trust in is that he brings us into the better sanctuary. Jesus brings us into the better sanctuary. What was the priest's job in the Old Testament? Basically, most, most fundamentally, it's to bring the people into the presence of God in the tabernacle and then later on the temple, which replaced the tabernacle, The tabernacle uh, consisted of of an outer court, and then there's the holy place inside that, and then within that there's the most holy place, the holy of holies. The the further into the tabernacle you go, the closer you come to the heart of God's presence. And the holy of holies there, the innermost sanctuary of of the holy dwelling place of God, is separated from the, the other parts of the tabernacle by a great uh, thick curtain. And inside is the Ark of the Covenant, this gold chest, uh, which has the Ten Commandments inside it, uh, which represents the covenant of God's relationship with his people. It has these two angels on top with their, their, their wings outstretched to cover, uh, to cover the, the lid of the mercy seat there. And this is, this is the place where God forgives his people. This is the place where God pours out mercy on his people. This is the place where God dwells with his people, the heart of his relationship with his, with his people. And once a year, the high priest goes in and meets God there. This, this place is so holy, so set apart, that only once a year, only one person in the whole people of Israel gets to go in, representing them, go in to God. Sprinkle blood on the mercy seat, sprinkle blood before the mercy seat, um, uh, making, making atonement for the sins of the people and, uh, uh, and asking God to bless the people. And as God welcomed that priest into the very heart of his holy presence, God welcomed the whole sinful nation of Israel into his very presence there. No wonder the Israelites loved the tabernacle and they loved the temple. Um, It's the heart of their relationship with God. It's uh, the place where they knew that they were as close to God as a human being can be, where they stood before God's very face. The Christians in Hebrews, again, the the author here is writing this sermon, this letter to them. Um, They're looking at the temple and the high priest of the Old Testament system, they're looking at that and they're thinking, well, maybe that's better than what we have in Christ. Um, Maybe that's that's better because you can see that high priest with your own eyes. Uh, You can uh, watch him go into the temple. You can see him come out again afterwards and lift his hands and give you the blessing that he has purchased with the very blood of the sacrificial animals. Um, uh, there, There are so many wonderful visuals in the Old Testament system. Right? There's, there's, the, there's the, the robes and the sacrifices and the, the, the furnishings and the incense. And in, in comparison, what we have in Christian worship, what we have in Christ, seems so sparse and colorless. Doesn't it? But the author of the letter to the Hebrews is saying, don't you realize you have something so much better in Christ uh, than, than you had before? You, you have a temple, But it's not the earthly temple. You you, you have not a man-made temple. You have the heavenly temple that God himself made, the temple of heaven where God dwells in all his glory and holiness, the one that he himself made, the tabernacle, the temple, these Old Testament structures. They were just copies of of that temple in heaven where God dwells. And Jesus hasn't brought us into a a man-made temple. Then he's brought us into the temple the very presence of God in heaven. Brothers and sisters, I know this is, a, this is a high concept, but it's very important for us to grasp. In Jesus, our high priest, as he stands before the Lord in heaven, in that heavenly temple, he brings us with him. And we stand before the Lord in the heavenly temple so close is our relationship our union with Christ our high priest that is he stands before God representing us before God we stand there with him spiritually already paul writes about this in ephesians 2:6 these stunning words he says god raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus you are in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Colossians 3.1 If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. We're already in heaven, in a sense, spiritually, in Christ. Never is this more true than in, than in worship. As we gather together on the Lord's Day, when we come together, we ascend in the Spirit to the very throne of God in heaven. Hebrews 12 writes about this. But you have come to the city of the living God, to the, uh, the heavenly Jerusalem, an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. We are in the presence of God in heaven right now in our Lord Jesus Christ. Not exiled from his presence. There's such a comfort in this. We are not far from God. In Jesus Christ, we are standing in the Holy of Holies permanently. Not just once a year in a human priest, in a man made temple, but permanently in the presence of God and the Holy of Holies in the highest heavens. That's where you are if you're trusting in this high priest. Even in the midst of a life that's still filled with suffering and sin, in the the trenches of obedience now and struggling now, you're seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Jesus is the high priest who brings us into the better sanctuary. The third reason Jesus is the best priest and the only priest worthy of our trust is that he is the one who offers the better sacrifice. Jesus offers The better sacrifice. In order for the priests in the Old Testament to enter the Holy of Holies, the presence of God, um, they they needed to come with a sacrifice. It was a bloody day, the Day of Atonement. Uh, They had to offer sacrifice for themselves. They had to offer a sacrifice to cleanse the, the tabernacle itself, the altar itself. They had to offer a sacrifice to cover the sins of their own house. They had to offer a sacrifice to cover the sins of the people of Israel. Um, they, they couldn't just waltz in there without a sacrifice, without blood. Uh, the only way sin and guilt could be taken away was by a blood sacrifice. Only a sacrifice can cleanse. But all those sacrifices in the Old Testament, all those animals slain, slaughtered, their blood poured out on the altar, wasn't enough, was it? Um, You can see this because they had to be repeated every year. Sacrifice had to be made. We made the sacrifice last year, but we've got to make it again this year because it wasn't permanent. It It didn't permanently cleanse our sins. And this makes sense. How could the blood of a sacrificial animal cleanse sin? How can that remove the stain of our guilt and our sin? For, the, for, the, for justice to be done, the punishment of sin can't be transferred to, to a representative animal. An animal's not worth what a person is worth, it's not made in the image of God. An image of God has to bear this punishment for the sins of an image bearer of God. A, a person has to be the substitute for a person. And this is where our Lord Jesus comes in, he is, the, he is the high priest who offers the better sacrifice, not of an animal, but of his own blood. What an act of love. What a selfless act of love. This is the highest level of love that we can imagine. This is uh, what, what Jesus speaks of in John 15 13 when he says, Greater love is no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. It's here in the priesthood of Christ for you more than anywhere else that we see the love of Christ for his people, that he came to give his life as a pure and spotless sacrifice for ourselves. He's not a professional priest whose job it is to offer sacrifices, and he does it because it's his job. He comes because he loves his people. he loves you, he gives his life for you. And his blood's effective. It's a perfect sacrifice. His blood is, 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 is his, the sacrifice he gives is the perfect sacrifice to cleanse our sins. First of all, because he's a man, just like us. Perfect substitute for a man. He's a man. Also, his blood is, is sinless, right? He is a sinless sacrifice, pure and spotless. So that he's not paying for his own sins, he's paying for the sins of others. And third, he's the God-man, so that this sacrifice he's giving is of infinite value, infinite worth, to cover all the sins of all the elect, of all uh, of, of God. His blood is perfect and effective. Verse 14, then, brings out two aspects of how Christ's blood Changes us. The first thing it says is that it cleanses us from our dead works. Verse 14: How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Sin has stained us, Um, it has made us grimy and dirty with years of wear. It's become ground into the fabric of our hearts so that nothing can get it out. We can't, we can't bleach it out. Uh, the, 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 uh, the, the, the stain removers that we try on our sinful hearts will not lift the stains of sin from it. We cannot clean up our own hearts. We've been dyed with this permanent ink of sin, and we can't scrub it out. This is what verse 14 is picturing for us here. It calls, it calls these sins of ours dead works. What a vivid picture. Our works are dead in ourselves lifeless and powerless and decaying. These good things we do that we think we do are, are, are dead things. Apart from Christ, they are lifeless things, worthless things. But by the blood of Christ, your priest, all that is washed away. Right? One treatment with the blood of Christ and your heart is clean, perfectly clean. All those stains are washed away Away, He is the high priest who, who stands even now in heaven as the one who can clean your heart of all its stains, the stains of, uh, of all the sins that you have. So take your heart to him, loved ones. Go to him daily. Say, Lord, Lord, my heart is full of sin again. My desires are all wrong again. My loves are all disordered again. My words and actions are all stained with sin again. I can't clean myself up. But you, Lord, you're my high priest. Cleanse me by the blood of your sacrifice. Will he? What if it's the same sins that you had to be cleansed from yesterday and the day before that and the day before that and the decade before that? Will he continue or will he get exasperated? I say, enough. I'm done with forgiving you and cleansing you from the same thing. You fell in the same dirt pit of sin yesterday. I'm not going to clean it again today. It is his delight to cleanse you of every sin over and over and over. What if the stain of your sin just runs too deep? I mean, what you you did is just so deep so sinful that maybe maybe his blood won't cover it, won't cleanse it? Is his blood sufficient for the worst sin? What if it's a sin that you have been enjoying for a long time and stubbornly hanging on to and not letting go for a long time? Will he forgive you of that sin if you come to him earnestly desiring forgiveness for it? Of course he will. His blood can cleanse the deepest stain. There's even more that Christ, our priest, does. He cleanses our hearts, our sin-stained hearts. But look with me at the second half of verse 14. You see this other aspect of what he does as our priest there. And that's this, that he enables us to serve the living God. So his blood does not just cleanse us, but actually renovates us. As our high priest, he's... He's getting to work inside our hearts, changing us from the inside out, not just giving us this, this neutrality in our hearts where we're not stained by sin anymore, but actually making our hearts able to obey and serve God and love the Lord. And, and, and so that instead of, instead of spewing out sin from our hearts, we're actually becoming wellsprings of obedience to Him. We are able to change by the blood of Christ. We are able to change by the mediation of our high priest. Christ stands ready to be your high priest, to cleanse and restore you in every aspect of your life, in your, in your marriage, if, if you're married. And you look at your marriage, you see these sinful habits in your marriage. The same old sinful habits that have been there for a long time. The selfishness, the manipulation, the anger. Who can cleanse that? And who can change it? Your high priest can. Take it to him. And he will. He will. He will give you grace for forgiveness and grace for change. And and in your parenting, who can forgive you for losing your temper with your kids again? Who can forgive you for being lazy and not nurturing them in the Lord as you should? Not training them up as you should? Not loving them the way you should? The Lord can, and He will. Your high priest will forgive you of that, cleanse you of that, and and, and renew and restore your life in that. What What about in work? You, 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 you've uh, in your work relationships. Who, who, who can, who can be the high priest who comes and and, and cleanses you from your sins in that, in, 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 uh, who, who can, uh, who can, who can cleanse you from the sins in that, and also uh, renovate your heart so that you start honoring your employer more, and that you start honoring your coworkers more and grumbling about the work less. We need a priest to change us. What about children? Who can help you honor your parents? You've messed up again. You've rebelled against your parents again. You've dishonored them again. You've been lazy when they told you to obey. You've been disrespectful to them again. The Lord can forgive you of that. And he will. Take it to him. And he can change your heart to make it more willing for obedience. This is what our high priest does. He comes and he renovates us. What about in our relationship with the Lord Himself? We fall into idolatry again. We start looking elsewhere for, 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 our, for, for joy and for satisfaction and security. We, 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 something comes up and we doubt His providence again. And we grumble and complain at what He's done in our lives again. He will forgive us of that and cleanse us of that and work change in us. He makes us, as the text says here, able to serve the living God. He brings us to this place where we're no longer stained with sin, but we are in the presence of God, serving Him with joyful hearts. Brothers and sisters, no other priest, no other mediator can do these things for you. No one else can clean you, cleanse your sinful conscience, and then enable you to serve the living God. No one else can do this and bring you into the presence of God. Only our Lord Jesus Christ can. He is our great high priest who brings us into the very presence of the Father. So cry out to him, Lord, be my priest. Change me, cleanse me, renew me, and bring me into your Father's presence. Let's pray. Jesus Christ, thank you that you are the great high priest for us. Out of your infinite love, you came and gave yourself as the sacrifice for our sins. We thank you that you are the one who brings us into the very presence of God. We pray that you would forgive us for uh, trusting and looking to ourselves for these things. Lord, help us to find all our hope and all our trust in you and you alone. We pray this in your precious name. Amen.